The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, farmers needing some extra cash for this spring can access it from the Canadian Canola Growers Association. Director of Finance will, uh, with them, Dave Gallant, will talk about the interest-free limit for cash advances being increased by $100,000 for this year. There's concern that a spat this week between Canada and China that has seen each country expel a diplomat could have economic consequences for Canadian agriculture. Todd Lewis of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture will give us his thoughts on that. And week two of the spring edition of GX94 Supper in the Field took place last night. We went to the farm of Alf and Les Cleggett, just east of Balcaris, and we'll hear from them about how their farm operations going so far this spring. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, we have some thin cloud here today, but otherwise it's a pretty nice day here. Yeah, so we're watching a lot of rainfall to our south and west, but a nice distance from us to that, and uh, hardly on a uh, direct course to get to us. So... I'm not overly concerned that we're going to get much of that moisture in. It is going to sort of build northward, but we're seeing uh, making its way not not even quite to Regina right now. It's almost uh, some of the fringe stuff is almost there. But a lot of it is sitting right along the Trans-Canada. And as it, um, the, the northern edge of that, I should say, and as it sort of wobbles a bit, we're going to see some of that cloud cover taking over. And later in the night, we may get a few of those little, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word to describe it, Northward reaches of showers. There's got to be a better way to describe it, but all the stuff to south, and a few of these will basically uh, shoot northward briefly, bringing us a couple of spotty showers. And then during the day tomorrow, we'll be a little bit closer to it, although the bulk of the, the showers are looking like they're more significant. And again, we're talking, we're on the fringes of this thing. We're talking a couple of millimeters. Uh, the best chance for that stuff is early in the day tomorrow through about midday. And then uh, some lighter spotty showers. The farther south you get, the better these showers, the better the chance of seeing showers. In fact, you get uh, along the border, and there could be some fairly heavy rainfall. But uh, for us, it's really a non-event. Temperatures today under the sunshine, warming into the low 20s. Very pleasant day, especially with a light wind. Again, tonight that cloud cover comes in. Spotty showers possible toward morning. Minimal as far as measurable amounts go. Temperature near 10. And for tomorrow, the cloud cover is in place. There will be some thinner spots, too, in the overcast. We're not only on the northern fringe of the rain, we're really on the northern fringe of the cloud cover. 19 is the high tomorrow. Any showers that hang on to the evening, and by that point, we're really stretching. Uh, we'll clear out. We'll drop back to 7 with a mostly sunny sky on Saturday, the highest 20. Even though we don't get into uh, a big change in the system, the moisture itself hangs just to the south. The low pressure by Saturday afternoon 
should almost be into Iowa. We shouldn't be talking about it once it gets to Iowa. The reason I'm still mentioning it is that the high pressure, which is building in, and it's going to almost be right overhead, is going to produce a very significant uh, drop-off in the temperatures because this is a cooler air mass, but it's certainly not cold, and the ridge is coming in behind it. So we have three things in play. One is this high, which is blocking both the ridge and trying to shift that moisture out, a very sharp cutoff line for showers. They'll likely uh, still be sitting over southernmost Manitoba on Saturday when we see a nice day, but it's going to keep us from getting into the warm air is, is the end of that uh, 20 degrees at the high. We're at or above normal, but we're just not into the true warm air. We get there by Monday, 24 on Sunday, 27 on Monday, with a mostly sunny sky both days. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour, the Paw, Swan River, both at 23 degrees, Dauphin and Brandon, 22, Show Lake Russell, 21, Roblin, 22. Regina and Winyard Wadena Kelvington are at 20, Saskatoon, Broadview Mooseman, Indian Head, 21, Hudson Bay, 23. The Yorkton-Melville region has a partly sunny sky, a northeast wind at 4 kilometers an hour. 31% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 22 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of 21 degrees and dropped to a low of 4 degrees. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is 17 degrees. The normal low is 4 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 5.05 this morning, and it will set at 8.28 tonight. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hotspot was Deerwood at 27 degrees. The cold spot was Grand Rapids at 0 the Saskatchewan hotspot yesterday was Canada's hotspot. Nipawin got up to 29 degrees. Saskatchewan's cold spot yesterday was a tie between Prince Albert and Spiritwood. They both dropped down to zero. Beef and Forage Report. A large portion of Alberta has received less than 40% of normal precipitation and pastures are in poor condition. Jerry Clausen, the president and founder of Resilient Capital, says the smoky conditions in central Alberta may have set a negative tone for the market last week. Approximately 45% of the Canadian calves born are in Alberta. He says this is a serious blow to the industry and may result in an abnormal marketing schedule for a large portion of feeder cattle. And that's the Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. EX94. Agri-view. A Chinese ban on Canadian beef that industry officials expected would be short-lived remains in place 17 months later. 
Dennis Laycraft of the Canadian Cattle Association says he doesn't know why China continues to block imports from Canadian beef processing plants. China imposed restrictions on Canadian beef after a case of atypical BSE was found in an Alberta cow in December of 2021. But unlike classic BSE, also known as mad cow disease, atypical BSE poses no health risk to people and is not transmissible. Laycraft says most countries don't impose trade restrictions at all for these cases and that China has lifted restrictions against other countries with similar cases in much shorter time frames. In 2021, before the market restrictions were imposed, China was Canada's third largest beef export market, importing $193 million worth of product. Maple Leaf Foods reported a loss in its first quarter compared with a profit a year ago as it faced a difficult pork market, cost inflation, and higher startup expenses. The company says it lost $57.7 million, or $0.48 cents per share for the quarter, ended March 31st, compared with a profit of $13.7 million, or $0.11 cents per share, in the same quarter last year. Sales in the quarter totaled $1.17 billion, up from $1.13 billion in the first three months of 2022. The company says the increase came as sales in its meat protein group rose to $1.14 billion, compared with $1.09 billion the same quarter last year. Plant protein sales fell to $37.4 million, compared with $44.9 million a year earlier. Turkey's foreign minister believes the Ukraine Black Sea grain deal could be extended for at least two more months, as officials from the parties involved held the first day of talks yesterday on an extension in Istanbul. Russia has said it would not extend the pact beyond May 18th unless a list of demands is met to remove obstacles to its own grain and fertilizer exports. The minister hoped a positive result will be achieved in Istanbul, where talks were set to continue today. The UN and Turkey brokered the Black Sea export agreement last July to help tackle a global food crisis that has been worsened by Moscow's war in Ukraine. The United Nations said inspections resumed on Tuesday of outbound vessels under a deal allowing the safe Black Sea export of Ukraine grain. There were no inbound or outbound inspections of ships on Sunday or Monday. The ice futures canola market saw some independent strength relative to other oil seeds during the week ended yesterday as speculative positioning and the need to ration tight old crop supplies provided support. Canadian canola stocks as of March 31st were pegged at 5.95 million metric tons by Statistics Canada in a report released Tuesday. That was up from 5.16 million at the same time the previous year, but well below the five-year average of 8.76 million. Of the total, commercial stocks of 1.28 million metric tons were down by about 460,000 tons from the same point the previous year, and below pre-report expectations. Canola crush margins are still relatively wide, but have lost about 20 to $30 per metric ton over the past week, and are well off their highs near $300 per metric ton seen earlier in the year, as the strength in canola came at the same time as soy oil moved lower. 
A new federal-provincial funding agreement will see Nova Scotia's agricultural sector get $46.25 million over five years. The Sustainable Canadian Agricultural Partnership will see a 25% increase in program funding for the agriculture and agri-food sector. The agreement focuses on building growth and competitiveness, helping businesses adapt to climate change, pursuing science, research and innovation, and developing markets and trade for agricultural products. New programs under the agreement were developed in consultation with farmers and others in the agriculture sector. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's mainly cloudy and 22 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Farmers needing some extra cash for this spring can access it from the Canadian Canola Growers Association. It will be issuing cash advances through the Advanced Payments Program, or APP. Director of Finance and APP Operations at the Canadian Canola Growers Association, Dave Gallant, says the interest-free limit for cash advances has increased by $100,000 for this year. So before May the 8th, farmers had access to $250,000 interest-free. After May the 8th, that is now going to be $350,000 interest-free. And to put that into dollars and cents, uh, a farmer with a million-dollar advance at Prime Plus One at the bank is going to save roughly four dollars to $6,000, depending on what they borrow at the bank from, uh, using a cash advance under these new rules. It's a timely announcement as seeding gets underway. Exactly. I mean, we, we are seeing increased demand this year for the program, primarily because it's that time of year. Seeding costs are, are high and interest costs are high again this year. He says there are no restrictions when applying for a cash advance. That is correct. There are no restrictions on how the farmer uses the funds. Uh, once they've applied, we'll deposit the money into their bank account, and then they choose it as they see fit in terms of how they may need to use the funds to make their farm successful. Gallant explains the process to apply for new customers. If a farmer wants to apply for a cash advance today on what they plan to grow, uh, they will. They should call us at one 745 2256 and our dedicated contact center staff will walk them through the process in terms of what's required to complete the application. They'll need crop insurance information, um, as well as their land where the grain is being grown and the number of acres that they're growing. And then based on the calculation, we will fill out the application for them and email it to them, and they will then just have to complete uh, some signature areas and maybe get some additional information from other organizations uh, like their bank. If they're existing customers, they have a secure portal that they can apply on anytime at ccga.ca. And one final detail about the program. With respect to the program at CCGA, there's no admin fee. As well, farmers pay on the interest-bearing portion, which is now $650,000, prime minus three-quarters of a percent. So the lowest rates available to farmers under the cash advance program. Farmers can also apply for a cash advance up to a maximum of $1 million dollars. Glantz says they will be reaching out to existing customers to explain the changes and any actions that the customer may need to take. It's time now for the livestock market conditions, and their presentation of Heartland Livestock 
in Yorkton. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for June closed at 162.95 today. That's down five. August live cattle closed at 160.80, down 37. August feeder cattle closed at 226.07, up 92. September feeder cattle closed at 229.30, also up 92. June lean hogs closed at 83.87, down 30. July lean hogs closed at 85.12, down 85. And that's the livestock market conditions. Now it's time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Good afternoon. This is the Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of May the 10th. Another huge run this week with 1650 in the sort, 325 cows and bulls, a total of 1975 for the day. Cows and bulls selling steady with last week. D1, D2 cows, 133 to 143, sales to 151, 152. D3 cows, 123 to 133. All thin cows with lumps and bumps uh, selling anywhere from 85 to 95. Cows are averaging 134. From the Pelly area, 1,650-pound cows at 157. Good bulls, 134 to 144, sales to 160, 161. Bulls are averaging 146. From that good Melville, Melville area, 2,100-pound bull topped out at 167. On to the pre-sort sale, selling to a strong demand. 425-pound steers, 395. 500-pounders, 365. 575-pound tan steers at 360. 650-pound black steers at 338. My favorite pen, 710-pound black steers, 320. 800-pound tan steers, 298. 850-pound steers, 284. 950-pound steers, 247. On the heifer side, 425-pound heifers, 336. 500-pound red-black exotic heifers, 328. 650-pound tan heifers, 306. 650s, 284. 710s at 268. 800-pound heifers, 250. 850-pound red-black exotic heifers, 233, and 950-pound heifers at 234. Highlight of the morning, 44 black steers at 780 pounds, topped out at 296. Had some replacement quality tan heifers, 850 pounds, at 243. Next week will only be a one-day sort. This Friday, May the 12th, bred cow, bred heifer sale, also 65 cow-calf pairs, expecting 120 head. Some top quality breads and pears coming for this sale. Should be a good one. Sale time is 11 o'clock this Friday. This sale will also be on DLMS. And don't forget about your mom. Give her a call Mother's Day on Sunday. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. Back to GX on Agriculture. There's concern that a spat this week between Canada and China that has seen each country expel a diplomat could have economic consequences for Canadian agriculture. Todd Lewis of Gray, just south of Regina, is the second vice president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. He hopes the tensions will blow over. Well, it's always a concern, Doug, but at the same time, uh, you know, the people of China need the need the food source as well. So it's, uh, you know, these diplomatic issues and, and things that happened. Uh, certainly everybody remembers what happened with the uh, canola embargo you know, back three, four years ago, and, and that certainly affected our canola price. But, 
I think pork is another industry that's you know poss- possibly could be affected. But uh, you know we're hoping for the best, and uh, and uh, the 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 pathways are there already for uh, you know we sold lots of canola after after the Chinese embargo, and you know a lot of it did go into China, and and uh, so uh, those those pathways uh, you know could still be there, and and uh, you know I think it's important to remember too we we lost some prices to start with, but uh, we ended up with a pretty pretty high canola price during some of that embargo as well so it's it's all about supply and demand and uh i think we're fortunate uh here in canada we have the we have the product that you know the rest of the world wants and uh if china is going to uh you know go go this route again uh I, you know hopefully won't, it won't have as big an impact or be as big a surprise as, as it was the last time and uh, the markets always don't don't like the uncertainty but at the same time uh if if they do choose that pathway i think uh you know, Canada's uh, producers are pretty resilient, and we were able to uh, get through it last time, and and hopefully we'll get through it this time if it does occur without without as much damage to our prices and uh, and being able to move our product. He notes that African swine fever has flared up in China again, so they can't afford to ban Canadian pork products. Yeah, I, I mean it's a huge population there that uh, that's uh, hungry, and that's uh, that's the reality that China faces, and and. Uh, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of moving parts in this in this puzzle, and and uh, as I say, I think uh, Canada, uh, we're fortunate that uh, even if those markets are closed uh, in some parts of the world, there's other parts of the world that uh, are interested in our product, and uh, it's uh, it's never a good scenario. Everybody wants to do some free trading, but it it doesn't always happen that way, and and uh, unfortunately, you know, in the world we live in, there's lots of uh, political. You know, destabilization right now with the with the war in Ukraine. You know that's affected some of our grain markets as well, and uh, you know the wheat wheat market and so on. So it uh, seems to be part of the of the of the uh, this period in history that we're in right now that uh, we're going to have these market disruptions. And uh, as I say, at the same time, Canada Canada has has the product that the world wants. So uh, you know, hopefully, we're going to get through this one just like we did the last time. Lewis adds that Canada is doing a good job of diversifying its international markets so that we're not so reliant on China. Well, I think, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, a province like Saskatchewan, you know, as a microcosm of uh, agriculture in Canada, you know, really Saskatchewan uh, is a major supplier of uh, pulse crops to India. Uh, you know, they take a lot of our grain, you know, and, and, and uh, uh, you know, things like mustard oil and things like that as well. So, I mean, uh, India is a huge emerging market, and uh, you know all of the entire Indonesia area, Japan. These are all important customers, and uh, the federal government has recently opened up uh, trade offices in that area in Southeast Asia. And uh, you know the government of Saskatchewan has off trade offices, you know, open across the world. So I think, I think uh, you know between our governments and uh, you know our crop commissions, and, and there's lots of good work being done. You know, the Can- Can- Canadian Canola Council. You know the uh, uh, different grain grain uh, groups. They they uh, are aggressive. The Cattlemen's Association. Uh, you know they all all are focused on trade, and and uh, Canada is a trading nation, and uh, agriculture is a big part of that trade. He had these final thoughts on the subject. You know, I think uh, I would say that uh, you know really uh, as as uh, this plays out, uh, I think uh, we're ready to uh, you know as Canadian producers uh, will will. Uh, I say the resiliency of uh, Canadian producers. We have a pretty good track record of uh, getting through these uh, trade issues. And uh, if uh, China chooses to go this way, I think uh, Canadian producers are are uh, aware that uh, 
it may have a short-term effect, but really long-term, uh, we have the product that everybody wants, and we're going we're gonna to move that product in the world market uh, with or without China. Todd Lewis is the second vice president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. He farms near Gray, just south of Regina. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. July canola closed at 7.2410, down $10.60. November canola closed at 7.02.10, down $9.50. July Minneapolis wheat closed at 8.36 and three quarters, down 12 and three quarters of a cent. July Kansas City wheat closed at 8.41 and a half, down 13 and three quarters of a cent. July Chicago wheat closed at 6.27 and a quarter, down 14 cents. July corn closed at 5.82 and a quarter, down 11 and three quarters of a cent. July soybeans closed at 14.05 and a half, that's up one and a half cents. July oats closed at 3.33 per bushel, down four and a half cents. And that's the Commodities Update. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. Week two of the spring edition of GX94's Supper in the Field took us to the farm of Alf and Les Cleggett, just east of Balcaris last night. After supper, I spoke to the brothers about their farm. First of all, Les, we're in your yard today. Is this the yard that you grew up in? Yeah, this is the, considered the home farm. Yeah, this is where Dad and Grandpa came, and this is what, where it started. How long ago was that? Uh, 1910 or 11, something like that. Okay. So a while. Okay. And uh, so how much land do you guys farm now? Uh, probably approaching this spring, probably between 33 and 3,400 acres of cropland, and probably on pushing the 120 head of cattle, some purebred, some commercial. Now, Alf, uh, you said that you've often gone to agribition and that sort of thing, have you? Yeah, we went years ago. We went for probably 25 years. The last year we went was uh, 1995, and we had the national champion female there. And we didn't go back since. We just got so busy, and we wanted to up our herd. And it was so hard with, with both of us to, to go away showing cattle and uh, just leaving mom at home as our dad had passed away earlier. And um, so we thought if we own up our herd, we would just um, um, have more cattle and not do the show circuit. We went to Yorkton Bull Sale for quite a few years be, um, before we quit the re, uh, purebred stuff. So uh, what are you seeding this year? What are your seeding intentions? Uh, well, we right now we've got some durum in, some wheat in, just started our red lentils. Um, we have some peas to get to yet. And some, of course, some canola, just like everybody else. And some barley, some silage ground and maybe a few green oats and uh, so you're keeping an eye on prices are you happy with prices right now so yeah it they seem to be holding their own i mean they've tailed off a little bit just like everything else has but the prices if they if they stay where they are right now i think it's still suitable it's start you know it's minding your expenses you can still make a pretty decent dollar at it i think so when you uh the crops that you grow come uh, fall whereabouts do you haul all your stuff to usually well, that's, that's a good question. Uh, this is considered one of the main bin yards. Um, we have bins, of course, at, at my brother's place, and then we just 
two other bin yard sets, other ones that we've got some hopper bins and some aeration fans. And we just started another bin yard down here at my aunt's place where we put in some hopper bins last year with some air drying fans just to help in case it gets a tough harvest, right? But other than that, there should be, what, one, two, two or three bin yards, I guess, where the product would go. And where do you sell your crops usually? Uh, most of the wheat probably, and uh, canola usually goes to the Cargill in town. We have been dealing with G3 in Melville for some of the Durham and that and wheat other years. Um, the lentils and the peas and that usually get moved out on, you know, semi-trucks, B-trains to other buyers along the way for that market. And the barley and the oats are basically cattle feed, right? <laughs> and cattle, uh, elf whereabouts uh, you deal with uh, for your cattle? We go to Heartland in, in Yorkton. Um, Harvey, Harvey and Junior treat us really well there. Uh, I like dealing with them and they've, they've treated us good with our calves and that seems where we go. And uh, Les likes the grain farming. I like my cows. I, I just love seeing the newborns coming in the wintertime and, and that. And uh, I get tired riding in the tractor. I don't seem to get tired getting up at 2 in the morning to check the cows. But... <laughs> Yeah, so that's why we both get along so good. He he hates the cows, and I like the cows, and he likes the grain. That so we we both work together and get it done. Yeah. So are you pretty optimistic for this year? Try to be. You know, there's lots of factors that can slide in there, of course, that can upset the apple cart, kind of speak. But you try and stay away from thinking that part of it, and just hopefully that everything hangs on, and you miss the hail line, and you miss everything else. And I mean, you have to stay optimistic, or you don't stay in it, right? Now I know you had some, was there some issues today you were uh, trying to seed today? <laughs> well, yeah, we were, we were trying to finish up some of the hard, the hard um, spring wheat and we ended up with some fertilizer and some drill issues trying to, but we got it done and we got, we got, just got started on the red lentil. So hopefully it goes better tomorrow and then things keep going from there. But I think, I think we should have it sorted out by now, I hope. <laughs> and obviously you had to shut down for supper tonight, but it was probably a, a good break for you. It was, it was, it was nice to see some of the family and friends that we, we don't really get to see too much of them these days. It's too bad my wife had to work tonight, but uh, that's how it goes. Everybody's got to work in different shifts and different times. So, yeah, it was nice to have everybody here. And you were pretty surprised when I phoned you that you'd won supper in the field. I really was because I've, I've uh, entered for quite a few years. And it's just then my wife said she's entered too. And I thought, no big deal. And and so I always like to listen to two to where you've gone and, and the people that you interview, I just find it very interesting how different farmers around the area who win and what they're doing and I find that very interesting. Now I'm the one that's, that's telling them what I'm doing so I enjoyed it and thanks for the sponsors, it was great and the chalet meal is, is never a disappointment. They catered my daughter's wedding last summer and it was the highlight of the day almost, yes. That's Alf and Les Claggett from the Balcaris District. Our sponsors for GX94 Supper in the Field are Milligan Bio, Farm Credit Canada, Gowan Canada, Sask Milk, Jump.ca, LDC, Smith Steel, Minute Muffler and Brake, Yorkton Auction Centre, Maple Egg and Outdoor, The Chalet Restaurant, and Razor Cellar at the Yorkton Hotel. The GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes. Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly to mainly sunny, winds northeast at 10 to 15, becoming east-southeast, and a high of 23 degrees. For tonight, mainly cloudy, with a 20% chance of showers towards morning.
Winds east-northeast at 10 and a low of 10. For tomorrow, mainly cloudy with a 40% chance of afternoon showers. Winds northeast at 10 to 20, a high of 19, an overnight low of 7. For Saturday, mainly sunny. Winds east-northeast at 10 to 20, a high of 20. For Sunday, mainly sunny, a high of 24. And Monday, sunny, a high of 27. In the Paw and Swan River, it's 23 degrees. Dauphin, Brandon, and Roblin, 22. Show Lake Russell, 21. Regina and Winyard Wadena Kelvington are at 20. Saskatoon, Broadview Mooseman, Indian Head, 21. Hudson Bay, 23. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly cloudy sky, a northeast wind at 4 kilometers an hour. 31% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 22 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. CJGX Yorkton, a Harvard Media radio station serving Saskatchewan and Manitoba. We are GX94. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.